0: Grace Baptist Church. Thank you so much for being with us on this.
1: No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the
0: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Thank you so much for being with us on this beautiful Sunday that the Lord has given to us this morning. A couple of announcements before we begin our service. Don't forget, our things that go on a Wednesday night, Pastor Gary's class, the teens, young adults, all meet Wednesday evenings. For times, you can check our website. Also, our kids' choir has started for three-year-olds through fifth grade. They meet during the 9 a.m. service in the Fine Arts Building each Sunday morning. Today, during the 9 a.m. service, we are moving the Berean class back to their original kids' chapel that they were in pre-pandemic. And during the 10:30 service, the 2nd through 5th grade will also move back to the kids' chapel. 2nd through 5th grade will no longer meet in the youth room like they have the last few weeks, but they will meet back in the kids' chapel this morning. We're starting something new called blessing bags. So the young adults are heading this up. And it's going to be bags that will contain simple things like goldfish, animal crackers, uh, protein bars, water, snack items uh, that you can keep in your car. And you can just hand out to people as you see that may need them. We'd love to have your help in bringing some of those things in. Uh, Again, the prepackaged food items, uh, water bottles, protein bars, uh, snack crackers, those kind of things. If you could bring those in, there'll be a table in the back to set them on. Then the young adults will... Pack the bags up, put some literature in them, and then they'll be available in a couple of weeks for us to be able to pass out to those in our community who just may need some encouragement or may need a blessing. Uh, Also, uh, we will be doing the uh, Lifeline Pregnancy Baby Bottle Campaign. A couple of different ways to do that. Uh, you can collect coins and bring those in and you're filled with a baby bottle. Uh, you can do it online. You can designate it on your offering envelope. Uh, again, if you have any questions about that, uh, you can come see me in the back and we'll get you the information that you need for that. We are celebrating the Lord's Supper this morning during both of our services. So if you didn't get your uh, prepackaged communion cup, uh, there's some on the back tables or at the back door. So make sure you grab one of those prior to uh, the end of the service this morning. July 4th is our date to go back to uh, one worship service. We'll have our Sunday school and adult classes at 930 and then our worship service at 1030 and then also on July 4th, we're planning a picnic afterward. We'd love to have you stay for some hot dogs and hamburgers, uh, and just a time of fellowship and rejoicing and celebrating on that day. Uh, do pray for our junior campers, our third through sixth graders. We have 60 of them that will be heading to the Anchorage, um, not tomorrow, but a week from, from tomorrow. Uh, they will be heading up on June 14th. Uh, so pray for them that the Lord will just soften their hearts and, and use them mightily during this week of camp. Also, Vacation Bible School is coming up July uh, 11th through the 15th, Rocky Railway. Jesus' power pulls us through is our theme, and again, we'd love to have your help with that. Uh, We need uh, many, many volunteers to be with classes, to help with snack time, to help with uh, a variety of different things. Uh, If you can help, uh, shoot me an email, leave your name in the church office, and we would love to get you plugged into our Vacation Bible School. It's in the evening, 6 to 8 at night. Again, we'd love to have your help. Again, thank you very much for being here this morning. We're now going to turn it over to Pastor Jay for a few more announcements and a word of prayer. Good
2: morning. Good to see all of you here today to worship with us here at Grace. I do want to just uh, add a couple of words of announcement by uh, explanation on a couple of things that Brian mentioned. Uh, First of all, I just want to highlight the Anchorage camp. Those of you that may be new to our ministry Uh, may not be aware, but the Anchorage camp is just about an hour from here over on Lake Waccamaw, and uh, pray not only for our kids as they go this summer, but also be in prayer for the camp itself. They've been many weeks and months now without having the opportunity to really um, be able to have income into the camp because of camps being canceled, Um, so certainly be in prayer for them. Also, um, I was thinking about uh, the Lifeline Pregnancy Center. Some of us who maybe have been here for a while, we hear words like that, that we know what they are, we know what they do, but you may be new to our ministry, you may not be aware of their ministry, Um, they work with folks that are um, expecting parents and uh, those that are contemplating an abortion, and they work very hard to uh, work with them and, and talk with them about uh, the importance of of keeping their child. And so we would pray for their ministry, and you would be able to help their ministry uh, by giving toward the Baby Bottle Campaign. It's something that they do each and every year, and it runs from Mother's Day until Father's Day. And so if you could help by giving to their ministry, I know that they would greatly appreciate that. Regarding giving, we want to thank you for your financial support of our ministry. Continue to see uh, the Lord's blessing in that regard. And let me just highlight the fact that if you are here today and prepared to give... Um, a financial gift. There are boxes that are mounted on the back wall. You can put uh, your offering in that. There's envelopes available for you as well if you can fill that out for us. Uh, Those are emptied after every service. It doesn't stay in there. It goes into our safe afterwards. And so we certainly would encourage you to do that. Or you can give online at gracenc.org and you can register. If you don't have an account already, you can register for an account and be able to give that way. Uh, Regardless of how you give, we just thank you for your faithfulness and how you support our ministry over the last several very long and very confusing months, and uh, we thank you for that. Um, Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then we are going to move into recognizing our graduates. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to worship together this morning, and as we begin, we certainly lift up the Anchorage Camp to you. We thank you for their friendship, for their ministry that they have been faithful in for so many years and reaching campers for Christ and ministering to us as a ministry here at Grace and the opportunity we have had to partner with them. And we pray for our kids as they go, give them safety while they're there, but more importantly, open their hearts to the preaching of your word. And there's something unique about camp that opens the hearts of children and adults in a very unique way. And so we would pray for a profitable Time of camp and for our VBS this summer as well, that you would see many young people come to know Christ throughout this coming summer through camp and through VBS. Lord, we do pray also for the Lifeline Pregnancy Center. We thank you for their ministry and their faithfulness here in ministering to families, and we pray for your provision that they would be able to continue on in the work that you have given to them. As we observe the Lord's Supper today, I pray that you would use this as a time of remembrance and a time that we would reflect on where we where we are spiritually this morning and that this time of remembrance would draw us closer to you and so as we worship together this morning i pray that we would focus our attention fully upon you and on the finished work of christ and we pray this now in jesus name amen each year around this time we take an opportunity to highlight those that have graduated either from high school or even from college And uh, this year, we are actually going to take the opportunity to also highlight those that graduated last year, simply because we were not able to do this um, this year. We do have a small token gift for each of the graduates, and I will tell you, um, this may be a disappointment to our graduates from our academy here at the school, but you got yours already on Friday, so you won't get a second gift, Uh, but you received yours Friday night, uh, last Friday night at graduation. And I'm going to call each group up. And ask them to join me here on the platform, and uh, we will also uh, congratulate them all all at one time. So beginning with high school graduation from 2020, we first have Zane Wesley Bloom, who I believe is sitting to my right, be in prayer for his family. Um, His family is uh, bound for South Africa to serve in missions, and they are there while we are here. And so um, Zane is apparently living by himself over uh, while they're away. There you go. Congratulations. Um, next, I would like to um, highlight Bryce Bordeaux. I don't believe Bryce was able to be with us this morning, uh, but we congratulate him on graduating last year. Aaron Glenn Morton uh, graduated in 2020 as well, and he's coming um, now to the, to the platform. Congratulations to Aaron. And then uh, Derek Poe uh, graduated also last year. He is unable to be with us this morning. Congratulations. Congratulations. There you go. Um, also Wesley Sylvester uh, graduated last year I believe his family is out of town today I believe they're in New England now we move to our high school graduates for this year Mr. Eli Timothy Ball is Eli here I saw his mom no there she is Eli's missing Um, Caleb Kroon graduated um, this year as well I don't see Caleb this morning Susanna Heron is with us. She is a graduate from uh, North Carolina Southeastern Technical High School. And I would like to point out that she was their salutatorian in their graduation. So congratulations to Susanna.
3: Congratulations.
2: Um, I'd like to um, next highlight uh, Jonathan Knowles. Um, I know him a little bit. And uh, he's right here, graduated from our school, he's my oldest son. Um, Kira Rickert, also graduated from Wilmington Christian Academy. She's right here behind me. I didn't shake my own son's hand, but I'll shake yours. Congratulations. Um, I would also like to highlight uh, James Jamie Rowe, uh, right here to my right. He was a graduate from um, the Academy. I'll shake your hand. I'll shake yours later, buddy, I promise. And then um, his sister, Shelby Rowe, uh, graduated from Liberty University online. Congratulations. Um, also, like to highlight Christian Paul Sneed right here in front of me, graduated from our academy uh, just a couple of weeks ago, so he's already received his gift. But congratulations once again to you. Thank you. Abby Stone, to my right, also a graduate graduate from our academy a couple of weeks ago. Congratulations to Abby. Well done. Uh, Eli Sylvester, again, he is not able to be with us this morning. He is currently um, out of town. From college last year, 2020, Andrew Lors is with us. He's a graduate from UNCW. He also uh, was in the Marines for four years. And while Andrew is coming, I would uh, encourage you to pray for him. He is joining the Crew Storytellers Ministry, and he's going to be uh, hitting the road, Lord willing, in the coming weeks to share the, the gospel around the globe. So, congratulations to you, my friend. That is for you. Um, also, like to highlight Marisol Torres. Um, Ms. Torres teaches in our school. I think I'm being told she is not here this morning. Uh, she teaches Spanish here in the academy. Graduate degrees from 2020 uh, Laura Beverly graduated from Liberty University with a Master's of Education as a reading specialist concentration, and she is also one of the teachers in our school. So, congratulations to, to Laura. Congratulations. Um, next, Jun Jung, um, also a graduate of Liberty University with a master's in education. I do not believe he is able to be with us this, this morning. Erica Lee, also a graduate from Liberty University with a master's of education, also in reading, specially concentration um, for Erica this time uh, 2021 we have a couple of folks that graduated um, with advanced degrees jody hall from frontier nursing university a master's of science in nursing as a family nurse practitioner congratulations to you that's well done good job big deal also the oldest she said Um, And then, uh, finally, I don't see Kaylee Moore uh, this morning, but she also graduated with a master's degree as a physician assistant, so we certainly congratulate her as well. Did I, I hope not, but did I miss anyone this morning that I failed to... Eli Ball is here, here, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Eli, the people on this platform get that a lot more than some of the other folks, but... (laughs) Whichever way you want to go. Congratulations, Eli. Yep. He already received his gift at graduation as well. So let's congratulate all these folks for a job well done. Good job. And let's also just have a brief word of prayer for them as they go on to their next step of, of life. Let's pray. God, thank you for these folks that have worked so hard in achieving the degree that they've gotten or the high school graduation that they have achieved. Lord, it's a It's a big deal to uh, go through education and to do well and to graduate, and we thank you for each one that is up here with me this, this morning. Pray for direction now as they go into the next step of their lives, that you would direct their steps and protect them as they do it and give them strength and courage to stand for the gospel wherever you may call them, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Congratulations.
3: Amen. We're proud of our graduates. We're glad they made it, and uh, that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) We're going to miss them. Just leave it at that. We're going to begin to prepare our hearts now to partake of the Lord's Supper in just a few moments, and uh, we want to begin to prepare ourselves by singing praise to our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, uh, but who is also the victorious resurrected Lion of Judah. Let's stand as we sing, How Great is Our God. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice. All the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. And dark tries to hide and trembles at his voice and trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me how great another new song. Uh, This is going to be our new song that we work on for the next few weeks. Uh, This morning, we just want you to listen as we sing and play through this. Uh, This follows right along after the song that we just sang, The Lion and the Lamb, is what this is called. So listen as we play and sing this. coming on the clouds, kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break as broken hearts declare His praise. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's and every knee will bow before him our god is the land the land that was slain for the sin of The King of Kings The God who comes to save Is here to set the captives free For who can stop the Lord you the opportunity to sing that with us next week. Uh, it's a love that song. It's an exciting, upbeat song. Uh, but and I love that imagery uh, that Scripture uses about our Savior. That when it calls him the Lion and the Lamb, because it uh, really communicates a lot about his character. He is the self sacrificing Lamb of God who in love and mercy and compassion shed his own blood for the sin of the world. But he, as the song says, he's also the lion uh, who's roaring with power and fighting our battles. He is our rock and he is our defender and our salvation. Listen now as the instrumentalists play, The Lord is My Salvation.
2: will give you a chance to sing again in just a f- few moments um, before we look into scripture and prepare for the Lord's Supper I do want to actually mention one other graduate that we knew would not be with us today Rini Hermawan um, graduated from high school so I did want to mention her and then I was also going to highlight a couple of other folks and I didn't see one of them I was hoping he would be in here by now but I still don't see him um, but each year here at the Academy, we give longevity awards. And uh, this year we have two very special ones. And the first is uh, Mr. Baron Nobles, who is our school administrator. He has been here for 35 years. Uh, was actually a student here in the Academy as well. He works with our Pathfinders ministry. Um, and so he is probably still not over here from that. I don't see him, or unless I'm missing him. Is Baron in here? He, he would probably hide under the pew If he was, because he doesn't like that. Um, The second one, somebody very special to me, um, works very closely with me, Miss Margaret McCoy, um, to my left, who is on the sign language duty at the moment. She has been here at Grace for 40 years. And so, let's give them both a round of applause. And, And pray for me tomorrow, because she'll be upset with me that I mentioned her name. She's ignoring me. Look, she's not even looking at me. But that's okay. I don't like it either, so I understand. Um, If you're visiting with us this morning, I do want to take this opportunity and welcome you. And thank you for joining us here at Grace. We're so thankful to have you part of our worship time here today. And uh, there is an opportunity for you to get a little information back to us. There's a visitor's card that's in the pew in front of you. It looks like the one on the screen behind me. And the way this works, you just take your smartphone and scan Uh, the QR code, and it'll take you to a place where you can fill out a couple of questions for us. That gives us the privilege of following up with you. If you have any questions about our ministry or if we can help you um, in any way, certainly would want to do that. You can also visit our website at gracenc.org and get some of your questions answered there as well. If you're watching online, uh, we would encourage you to fill out one of our online digital visitor cards, and we would also like the opportunity to follow up with you as well. We are observing the Lord's Supper today, and the way we have been doing this because of the COVID situation is we've been using the little prepackaged Lord's Supper um, packaging. And so if you did not receive one um, and you are planning to observe the Lord's Supper, we can get one to you in just one moment. Um, but while we're while we're preparing for it, if you are visiting this morning and you're wondering, should I participate, should I not, um, all we ask is that if you have genuine faith in Christ, And if you have questions about what that means, I'll be explaining that a little bit this morning. If you have faith in Christ and you know for sure that Christ is your Savior and you are living obediently to the Lord, we would invite you to join us in observing the Lord's Supper. But if you did not get a packet, um, I was going to have someone bring it to you, but I don't see the person. Larry Larry will do that for me. Larry, if you need one of the little prepackaged Um, Lord's Supper things, uh, just slip up your hand and Mr. Larry Ball will get one over to you. Don't be shy about it. Um, And he'll bring one of those to you. As we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper this morning, I do want to draw your attention um, to one particular theological word. And we'll get to that word in just a moment. I'll explain it in just a moment. We're going to look at a handful of texts this morning to look more specifically at this word. But before we talk about this important word, I want to draw your attention to the realities of the day and age in which we live. We all know this. This is not new to you. I'm not telling you something you probably have not already noticed yourself, but we are living increasingly in a very secularized culture, a culture that is increasingly filled with secularism. In all aspects of life, um, we do have one more right here, Brian. Pastor Brian, we are living increasingly in a time in which secularism is is taking over our our culture. Things have certainly changed. You, you many of you, grew up in the South. I grew up in the Northeast, and so it's a little bit of a different experience uh, for those of us that didn't grow up in in the South. But I still remember. As a kid, when I played baseball and Little League and, and those types of activities, that we never had games on Wednesday nights, ever. Um, we did not play on Sundays, ever. Uh, those were days that were guarded as church days. And I remember our baseball coach, we did have practice on Wednesdays, and I remember our baseball coach would call us in at the end of practice, and he'd say, all right, boys, get yourself to your Wednesday night youth group, let's go. I wonder today in our culture how that has shifted away from the idea that church, God, even religion was a very major part in our culture, but increasingly that is rapidly declining. In fact, I would argue that one of the major mantras of our current popular culture is that there is this belief that we can somehow redeem ourselves— That we don't really need a God, we don't really need a Savior, that we have the innate ability in ourselves to save ourselves or to redeem ourselves. Now, there's many ways that we can arguably try to redeem ourselves, but some of the more popular ways that people try to receive or achieve redemption is often through their political ideology, Or sometimes it is through their economic prosperity or even social activism. We understand that all of these things have one major truth about them, is that we all believe that we can do something to earn salvation or to achieve redemption. Now, don't misunderstand. Political involvement is part of being a good citizen. I understand that. We, as our, our, as our country goes, we all root for economic prosperity, of course, and there is a time and a place for social action. I understand all of those things, but we have to understand that eternal redemption is not found in any of these activities or any other activity that you could insert into that list. So, that brings me to the theological word that I want us to think about this morning as we come to the place where we are in a few moments going to remember the Lord's Supper. The word is this. The word is justification. This word is a forensic word. And it means simply this. It indicates God's gracious pardon and acceptance of a repentant and believing sinner. Justification. And I want to take the next little bit and explain this word a little bit more specifically, not really with my words, as much as explaining it to you from some theological texts that are found in the Bible that we can look into Scripture and find out what does this idea of justification mean, how do we receive salvation, how do we receive redemption, and who is it available to? Well, if you have a Bible, I would invite you to find Psalm chapter 32. Actually, Psalm 32 is one of the first places that we are going to look this morning. We're going to be looking at a variety of texts, one here in the Old Testament, and then we're going to look at a couple, um, three or so in the New Testament to get a big, broad picture of this idea of justification. What does it mean? How do we achieve it? Who's it available to? Well, we find these words, this is written by David, by the way, we'll get back to our study on the life of David in a couple of weeks. Uh, But in Psalm 32, David says this, he says, "...blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered." Blessed, by the way, comes from a Hebrew word, ashray, and this word could be translated this way, oh, happy is the man, the person that has been forgiven of their sins, this person whose transgressions have been forgiven, whose sins are covered. David writes, under the inspiration of God, that this person is blessed. Now, notice verse 2. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Now stop right there for a moment. Think about what David just said. He said that a person is blessed when they have no iniquity counted against them by God. It's always interesting to me that even in our judicial system, that when someone enters a plea, they've been accused of a crime, that no one can make the plea that they are innocent. They can make the plea that they are not guilty of that particular crime, but they cannot argue, even in our judicial system, they cannot argue innocence because none of us are. There is no one who can claim absolute sinlessness or can, 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 can say that they are without iniquity, that they can make this claim. Well, thankfully, David says that the man who has no iniquities counted against him by God, this person is blessed. Well, that ought to get our attention. How do I do that? How do I reach the place in my life when a holy, righteous God who is absolutely perfect looks at imperfect me and counts no iniquity against me? How do we achieve that? Well, David keeps going in verse 3, and he says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. David is talking about this time of conviction. He knew that he had sinned against God. He understood that his sin, while he was not talking about it. He was holding it inward, and he is talking about the effects of God's conviction. God's hand was heavy upon him. Notice verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you. I repented of it. I acknowledged it. I admitted that it was true about me, and I did not cover my iniquity which is our general pattern of behavior, by the way, is to cover everything that we do against God. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Now, if you're paying close attention, you will notice the word justification does not appear in those verses, and I understand that. But we have this picture that David gives to us, a man that is experiencing conviction of his sin. He's even experiencing sort of this emotional stress over the fact that he is not admitting his sin. But he talks about the fact that he acknowledged his sin toward God. He was honest. He didn't cover his iniquity. He repented of his sin. He confessed it, and God forgave him. So, who is justification available to? It's available to sinners. It is available to people who have violated God's word. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But notice when David says that he was forgiven, he was forgiven simply by confessing his sin. Now, to be fair, David was a believer at this point, but he also understood that even as a believer, there was this necessity to repent of his sin and to acknowledge his sin before God, and God forgave him. Now, as New Testament believers, we want to look at this idea of justification in New Testament terms, and particularly, we're going to look at a couple of Pauline texts, a couple of scriptures written by the Apostle Paul, once again, under the inspiration of God. And we're going to see in these two texts, a couple of very common themes that we want to think about this morning and understand how these apply to us. The first one is in Romans chapter 4. In the first four verses of this chapter, the Apostle Paul writes this, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are, are, are not counted as a gift, but as his due. In other words, when we labor, when we uh, fulfill an obligation at work, that our employer pays us a wage. We earned it. Scripture says that what we have earned because of our works is actually damnation. So, when we talk about we want to get what we deserve or we want to get what is owed us, we have to be very careful in theological terms because what is owed us is God's judgment. And so, Paul's argument here is that even Abraham, who was very important to the Jewish mind, that they were very Um, cognitive of the fact that they were physical descendants of Abraham. And he says, hey, even Abraham was not redeemed through works. He believed God by faith and it was counted to him as As redemption. He was not justified by his works. It was not something that he did. He believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Verse 5 And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Notice what Paul just said. To qualify, for justification, to qualify for God's redemption, you must be ungodly. That means you have to recognize your imperfection. You have to recognize your sinfulness. This isn't for the self-righteous. This isn't available to the people that would reject the idea that they are sinners, that they have done something inherently sinful or wrong in violation to a holy, righteous God. It's been said for so long, it's, it's something we're all familiar with, is that for someone to come to Christ and be saved, they have to first understand that they're lost, and in our culture, it is very difficult at times to get people to recognize and to see that they are in fact born sinful i 'm a parent of of three children, and I will I will tell you this it 's true about me it 's true about my wife it 's true about everybody who lives in my, in my household. No one under our house has ever been taught had to learn the dynamics of sin. It comes naturally. In fact, just taking by way of illustration, when the Ten Commandments give us commandments like do not bear false witness, don't lie. I never took any of my children, sat them down on the bed one night, and said, honey, I am going to pray that you will learn to be a liar. They got it. Never taught them to be disrespectful to a parent, or I've never taught them to take something that was theirs. They got it inherently because every one of us is sinful. And so, the Apostle Paul says that in order for me to experience justification, forgiveness of sin, to be pardoned of my sin, I have to first recognize that God justifies the ungodly. Well, how? The next verse, the next part of that verse tells us his faith is counted as righteousness. Now, the object of my faith, we'll get to in just a moment, is of great importance, And notice, Paul now quotes David. He says, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Someone who has repented, someone who has believed in Christ. Now, I want us to look at another passage written also by the Apostle Paul. It's found in Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to see some common themes, but we want to get a little bit more specific. I would argue what we have learned so far is who is this justification or redemption available to? It is available to the ungodly. It is available to sinners. That means it is available to you. It is available to those who repent, those who recognize and acknowledge their sinfulness, who plead with God and pray to the the Lord to forgive them of their sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. How is this forgiveness accomplished? It is accomplished through faith. It is not through works of righteousness. It never has been and never will be. In Galatians, we're going to find some of these Same themes that we saw in the book of Romans, but we're going to see a little bit more specifically of how the Apostle Paul explains this idea of justification and redemption. Putting the book of Galatians in a little bit of its historical context for just a moment, this is a text that thinking about the Lord's Supper, I think is a very appropriate text for us to come to and to think about because of some of the imagery here certainly um, brings us to the to our minds, the imagery of the, of the sacrifice that Christ made for us on the cross, the imagery that we see in the Lord's Supper. But when we talk about the book of Galatia, what you find is there is a little bit of a, not a little bit, there is a conflict that is taking place within the church. There are Jewish believers that had come to faith in Christ who believed that there were certain aspects of the law that a Gentile believer, someone who had never grown up under Judaism, under the Jewish law, that they had to submit to certain aspects of the law in order to achieve salvation. Well, as you can imagine, this is creating tension within the body of Christ, and there is I'm sure, a level of judgmentalism that is going on between these two groups of people. And so, the Apostle Paul is speaking to this problem and correcting this problem. Well, let's begin reading. I'm in Galatians chapter 3. And actually, I'm going to go back to verse 5 when Paul says this, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Why why did God give you the Spirit? Why did God work miracles among you because you were faithful to the law? Or was it simply by your hearing with faith? And notice what he uses or who he uses as an illustration. We've seen this previously. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, Paul is going to get under their skin a little bit in the next couple of verses. He probably won't get under your skin because it won't feel as personal to you as it would have felt to the Jews hearing this and reading this for the first time. Notice verse 7, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Now, again, to us as maybe Gentile believers, didn't grow up Jewish, this doesn't mean a whole lot to us, but to a Jewish believer who was a physical descendant of Abraham, for the Apostle Paul to say that what was required to be a son of Abraham was just faith, that would have been very problematic in their thinking. Notice verse 8 and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Those who were physically outside of the lineage of Abraham by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, we learn something very interesting about these verses is that we learn that the true child of Abraham is, in fact, those that have put their faith in Christ. They are those that were truly a son or daughter of Abraham. And by the way, when he talks about the fact that the blessing that Abraham was going to go to all nations, he's saying that salvation was going to be available to all people. Now, to get the sting of this a little bit more, I want you to find the book of John, and we're going to look at several verses in chapter 8 to kind of put a a little bit more of a background into this idea of being a son of Abraham. Why would this be such an important dynamic, particularly for the Jewish believer? Well, in John chapter 8, Jesus says this in verse 31 of that chapter. He says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now that gets their attention. They answered him and said, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say unto you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. See, our culture says sin more, and that's where freedom is found. You're free to do whatever you want. Live however you want. Don't worry about God's commandments. Don't worry about any kind of moral boundaries. Just do what you want. Jesus says that when we live with that kind of mindset, we actually become a slave to our sinful choices. Verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. You're claiming salvation based on your physical lineage, your family heritage. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Uh oh. It's getting ready to get very interesting. Verse 39 they answered him Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, if you were truly, genuinely a child of Abraham spiritually by faith, you would be doing the works Abraham did. You would be living by faith. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your father, what your father did. There it is again, you're doing the works of your father. And they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality, we have one father, even God. Now they get very pious. And Jesus said to them, if God were your, was your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. Wow. You're you're not a father. You're not a child of Abraham. You're a child of Satan himself. Why? Because you're denying what I'm saying. You're denying my teaching. You're denying the gospel. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. The truth stings sometimes, doesn't it? And in our culture, when you claim absolute truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes unto the father but through him... That's met with the same kind of opposition. Which not one of you convicts me of sin, Jesus asked. If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears my words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Now, the conversation goes on from there. We won't read any more except verses 58 and 59. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was I am, this claim of deity, the claim that he was God's unique son, that he was eternal, that he existed before Abraham. When he says, I am, by the way, it goes all the way back to Moses. When Moses asked God, who should I say send me? I am that I am. Jesus says, that was me. I am. I am the great I am. Wow. Verse 59. So they picked up stones. We talked about them last week, right, when David and Goliath came up. Imagine, not a little pebble, but these are rocks. David's sling was the size of a, the the rock was the size of a tennis ball. They could use the sling to throw them about 100 to 150 miles an hour. But even with your hands, you were able to cause clearly great damage, right, and kill someone. They picked up their stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out to the temple. Now, I spend all this time on these verses to talk about the fact that sometimes we believe that because of our family heritage, or we believe because we have some kind of religion, that we are spiritually okay. That's what the Jews believe. They believed because they were of their father Abraham, that they had physically descended from Abraham, that they had some kind of spiritual advantage. And yet, in reality, what Paul is telling them is that justification is only by faith and faith alone. Now, let's look at the flip side of this coin in verses 10 through 14 and look at the fact that Paul is going to say that righteous deeds are insufficient to produce justification. Notice in the next couple of verses, verse 10, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse— They're not blessed. They're living under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. The righteous shall live by faith, but the law, which is a quote from Habakkuk, Habakkuk, by the way, but the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Paul is pleading with them, your faith cannot be in the works of the law. You cannot fulfill it perfectly. You can't keep it. That was the point. And to claim that I can somehow earn my salvation through my works, that what I am doing is I am placing myself under a curse. Now, let's, let's, let's pause there just for a couple of moments before we, before we wrap this up. Think about two very important aspects of this. Number one, was it theoretically possible that someone could keep the law perfectly and achieve redemption? Theoretically, sure. In reality, no way. Absolutely not. Impossible. I grew up being taught, I've told you this before, I grew up being taught the idea of sinless perfection. I grew up with the idea of being taught that you would eventually reach this place in your life where you were sinless, and if you became sinless, that you would keep your salvation, and if you didn't live sinless, you would lose your salvation. I grew up hearing that. Well, at at the age of 16, I went through a very difficult trial in my life, and I came back from this trial, and I was determined that I was now going to live as a 16-year-old boy absolutely sinless. I was going to be righteous. I was going to be pure. I was going to do everything that I was supposed to do to keep my salvation. Now, be careful how you answer this question. How long do you think that lasted? do you think I did it? Be very careful. Of course not. It lasted like 16 seconds. And what, and it was, and I tell you that I walked away from, it's like, fine, if I can't be sinless, then forget all this. I'm done. I can't do this. And it was almost like it was that, that the Holy Spirit said in my my heart and in my life is that you got it. Now you got it. You cannot do this on your own. You cannot work your way to salvation. The second point is it doesn't mean our salvation doesn't work, doesn't take action, but we cannot work for our salvation. And now Paul brings us to this imagery that Christ redeemed us from this curse by becoming a curse for us because it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise spirit through faith. Now understand the law was not altered. It was not suspended or disregarded. It was fulfilled in Christ. That's why Paul says in Romans 10:4, for Christ is the law, the end of the law of, for righteousness to everyone who believes that Jesus became sin for us. Jesus laid down his life for us. He took on the penalty of our sin on the cross of Calvary. He received the curse of the law so that we might live. So, as we turn now to the Lord's Supper, and we sing a couple of songs about the truths of the Lord's Supper, ask yourself, are you truly, genuinely a child of God by faith, in faith alone, and in Christ alone? We're going
3: to, before we partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, we're going to sing a couple of uh, meditative songs to prepare our hearts. Um, In addition to learning new songs every month, we also want to be uh, learning new arrangements of some of our traditional hymns. I talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, The reason being that uh, we we love these old hymns, and the words are second to none. And uh, so we want to help keep them alive and keep them fresh and keep them communicating to new generations. We want our youngest generations to fall in love with these hymns just as we have so we're going to take the opportunity we're going to take one more opportunity to sing the new arrangement of jesus paid it all that we've been learning Uh, so if we could stand please remember the melody is the same uh, as it's always been but the rhythm is a little different let's sing it together jesus paid it all Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. grace to claim I wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's land Jesus paid it all oh to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain white as snow. And when before the throne I stand in Him complete. Jesus died my soul to save. My lips shall still repeat, Jesus spirit it. you may be seated. Uh, Today we're going to start learning uh, a new arrangement of a different traditional hymn. This is going to be the one that we work on here for a couple weeks. This is Just As I Am, and the the verse of this is exactly the same as the traditional hymn, so it's going to be everything that you know. It just has a chorus that's been added. Um, So we're going to start by singing that chorus. I'm going to sing the chorus for you once, And then we'll go back and sing that chorus again. And I'm going to ask you to try singing it with me. And then we'll go back to the beginning of the song and sing a couple of verses. So listen as I sing that chorus once, just as I am. I come broken to be mended. I come wounded to be healed. I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb. And I'm welcomed with open arms, praise God, just as I am. You try singing that chorus with me now. I come broken. I come broken to be mended. I come wounded to be healed. I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb. And I'm welcomed with open arms Praise God Just as I am Just as I am without one plea Just as I am without one plea But that thy blood Was shed for me and that Thou bidst me come To Thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am and waiting not to my soul of one dark blood, to Thee whose blood can cleanse its bottle of God I come. I come. I come broken. I come broken to be mended, I come wounded to be healed, I come desperate to be rescued, I come empty to be filled, I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb, and I'm welcomed with open arms praise God just as I am let's sing that chorus one more time I come broken to be mended I come wounded to be healed I come desperate to be rescued I come empty to be filled I come guilty to be pardoned by the And I'm welcomed with open arms, praise God, just as I
2: am. Amen. At the very heart of the Reformation, the Reformers argued very adamantly that salvation was by faith alone, by grace alone, and in Christ alone. One of the big arguments during that period of time was the practice of indulgences, that you could buy someone's way into heaven. The idea of the sacramental system where I do certain sacraments that I perform so that I earn grace, I get an infusion of grace, has been the ideology of Roman Catholicism in particular for generations. And yet in Scripture, we don't find... Christ leaving us with two sacraments, he leaves behind us two pictures that we are to practice for the purpose of remembrance. The first being baptism is not an act in which I earn salvation. It is simply a picture to show everyone the world that I believe in Christ, that I'm identifying with Christ, that I am a believer in Christ. The Lord's Supper is a picture to remember Christ's sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Think about the power of a picture for a moment. I don't know about you. I'll say it. I despise family pictures. It's not my favorite thing in the world. We just did it a couple weeks ago. It's probably why it's on my mind, and I don't enjoy it. Let me say it again. I don't enjoy it. It's not my favorite thing. But the end result is a good thing. Because I'm not talking about the the smile and everything looks perfect and everybody looks wonderful and behind that is the realities of life. I'm not talking about that. But when you look at a picture, you say, I remember that. I, I remember when we were there. I remember that moment. It's a snapshot in time that takes me back to remember. The Lord's Supper is to take us back to remember. None of us were there at the crucifixion, certainly. But we understand the imagery that we are left with, with this picture. And so I would invite you to open your elements this morning. And while you're doing that, I would draw your attention to 1 Corinthians 11, where the Apostle Paul gives us some very... Strong instruction and reminders about the Lord's Supper that it is important to come to the Lord's Supper with a righteous heart, not a perfect heart, but a heart that is redeemed by the blood of Christ, that has been justified by the blood of Christ, a heart that is not living in dis- disregard or an outright rebellion of Scripture. And Paul, when he writes to the Corinthian church, who had really made a, made a mockery of the Lord's Supper in so many ways, and he is correcting them. He reminds us of this picture, this image, and as we partake this morning, let your mind dwell on the fact that Christ took on the curse of the law for you. Paul writes this, he says, "'For I received the Lord, what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, represented by our piece of bread.'" And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, representing my body. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Understanding that the night that the Lord's Supper was instituted, Christ had yet to go to the cross. And I often wonder, as the disciples and others watched the crucifixion, how these words rang in their minds. And he talks about his body, but then he also talks about the blood. Verse 25 In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament or the new covenant in my blood the juice representing the shed blood of Christ. And Jesus said, Paul repeating it for us, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, we thank you for this picture that we have to draw our minds back to Calvary, that we cannot save ourselves, we cannot redeem ourselves We cannot earn justification through our works of righteousness, but through faith in Christ alone and by grace alone, we can enjoy fellowship with you and be your child. So Lord, we thank you for this picture, picture of crucifixion and obviously pointing toward the day that that you would resurrect from the grave. And we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to observe the Lord's Supper today, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with a stanza of one song. Pastor West is going to come and lead us in that before we do that. And if you could help us by throwing the cups away in the trash can on your way out, that's a big help to us. And then also there is two offering plates in the back. If you would like to give toward our monthly benevolence offering, let me encourage you to do that as well. Pastor West.
3: Let's stand. And let's just close by singing, Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. That little chorus. We'll sing it without instruments. Sing it together. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me. Thy great salvation, so rich and free. Amen. You're dismissed.